Lost and Sound is sponsored by Audio Technica. Audio Technica are a global but still family-run company that makes studio quality yet affordable products. They made the first microphone I ever bought. They make stuff that I use. They make stuff that you probably use too because they believe that high-quality audio should be accessible to all. So head on over to audiotechnica.com to check out all of their range of stuff. Okay, I'm Paul Hanford, and today I talk cyborg theory, identity, New York, and much, much more with New York artist Miss Grit. This is Lost and Sound. Hey, hey, I'm Paul Hanford. I'm a writer and author based in Berlin, where I'm speaking to you right now from on this cold, wintry, it's a Tuesday morning in January. Um, This is Lost and Sound. This is the show where we meet the musical innovators, the outsiders, the mavericks, the artists that do their own unique thing. And we talk about life and the things that inspire us to make the things that we make, because Beautiful things don't come out of a hierarchy of knowledge. They don't come out of being an edgelord hiding away in a castle. They come out of sharing. Previous guests on the show have included Peaches, Jim O'Rourke, Chili Gonzalez, Letitia Sadier, Ghost Poet, Cozy Funny Tootie, Nightmares on Wax, and Thurston Moore. And today you'll hear a con- and today you're about to hear a conversation I had last Friday with New York-based Margaret Son aka Miss Grit. Okay, I hope you're all good. I hope you're doing January well. It's a really weird time of the year, isn't it? I have to admit, I've been a bit sort of all over the place the last few weeks. I feel like there's this massive expectation to run into the new year, what with like New Year's resolutions or just that whole kind of New Year energy, like fresh start, New Year. But in actual reality, you know, all of December... I think if you know, you know, for most of us is taken up with whether we celebrate Christmas or not is taken up with everyone else celebrating Christmas and just the general craziness and the end of year unwinding that January can be a bit weird and it's cold and it's dark. I've been all over the place and I banged my head last week. I did that thing where, you know, I, I wake up probably once or twice in the night for a wee and... I did that and I miscalculated where the door is to the toilet and I walked into a wall and I've been just a bit off focus all week, which has been a bit of a, which has been a bit of a fucker, really. But that's what it is. That's you know, live and learn, as they say. And I'd like to thank Margaret for letting me reschedule this interview it didn't happen on the day it was meant to happen so thank you so much to that and thank you so much to zoe miller for helping reorganize this but yes this was a conversation that 
when it did take place, I really, really enjoyed. Um, I zoomed over to Queens in New York and met Margaret Son, who records as Miss Grit. Their debut album, Followed a Cyborg, out next month, was recorded mostly in solitude in their home studio. And the album, as the title suggests, follows the life of a cyborg, a concept that stems from their own personal connection. As a mixed race, non-binary artist, Son has always rejected the limits of identity thrust upon them by the outside world in favour of embracing a more fluid and complex understanding of the self. And this brings me to cyborg theory which we go into which which is a a sort of touchstone of of the recording itself when i was a kid i watched a lot of movies with cyborgs in well i say a lot i can think of like robocop and say metropolis and i just thought that they were pretty cool the idea of half human half machine of course there's also like craft work as well if you're thinking musically craft work sorry i've been in germany five years now i should get my w's and my v's the right way around shouldn't i um but when i was studying my music culture degree uh i learned about cyborg theory and this kind of blew my mind a little bit and um this is a touchstone of something we talk about in the interview um particularly cyborg theory and how it relates to gender. Um, Donna Haraway's 1986 essay, A Cyborg Manifesto, is a very, very key text. It's, you know, I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. If you're not, it's it's easily downloadable in a PDF online. And in it, she presents the concept of cyborg as a way of rejecting the rigid boundaries on humans notably those separating human from animal and from human to machine in the manifesto she uses the figure of the cyborg to urge an understanding beyond the limitations of traditional gender feminism and politics it's considered a major milestone in the development of feminist theory and it's something that you can see echoes of in in I can think of one really good example off the top of my head with a still a slightly wobbly head on a on a Tuesday morning. If you think of Björk's All Is Full of Love video, um that does that really well. So too does Miss Grit's album Follow the Cyborg. Musically, it is a beautiful mixture of half human, half machine as well. Intricate electronics beautiful melodies that sort of in a really really weird way remind me of 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 deer hunter the album isn't out until next month the single lane phone clone is out now and this is what happened yeah sorry (laughs) check uh yeah um so yeah thanks so much for joining me today and it's really exciting with the album coming out and i, I want to, to kind of talk to you quite a bit about the idea about cyborg and identity um but first i just wanted to ask you about mute um because yeah. it seems that such a good pairing like your sound because mute have got such a long-standing history of of going deep with electronic music but sort of having the kind of human elements of it as well mm. and um was this some was mute a label that you always kind of was it a bit of a dream signing with them basically 
Yeah, it definitely was. I, I was really, I was not expecting it at all. Like, um, there, they've been a label that I've admired since I was really young and kind of thought that they were always out of reach a bit, but I was really surprised to like hear back from them and hear that they like really loved the record. So it was super like flattering. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a really good pairing. It's a really good pairing. And yeah. I, and with, um, and also the album Follow to the Cyborg, um, kind mm-hmm. of feels like, I mean, would you say it's a concept album or or is that too much of a sort no. of 70s word? No, I think so, definitely. Like, I grew up, like, really loving concept albums. And I think I definitely feel, like, more inspired when there's, like, um, like a, 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 a central idea to, like, a, a full project, I think. So, yeah. And does it help to have, uh, like, a sort of central idea like that to kind of uses a sort of springboard to generate ideas. Yeah, totally. I think, especially for lyric writing, it's like a great prompt kind of, because even though like it may be on the surface level about like, um, like the full like cyborg storyline, but there is also just like inherently like personal like stories woven in. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and what made you want to explore the idea and the concepts around Cyborg? I honestly just I I've always loved like those types of movies, like Ex Machina, Ghost in the Shell, her, um uh a bunch of others, but I've I felt like a deep connection to those protagonists usually. And it wasn't until I started reading this essay by Gia Tolentino about uh, kind of like the myth of the cyborg and how it's a, a very like inspirational and like um, like beautiful kind of like story arc to like um, someone's life who, you know, it's a, it's a very common trope in like the world today of being uh, created into this world by you know, a higher power that like is trying to control you or like misuse you or take advantage of you kind of, and um, being able to, to learn about the world, but then also about yourself and taking um, your own like destiny in your own hands kind of is like a very cool, cool idea to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, I mean, so like ex Machina as well is that whole thing about that at the end she wins, doesn't she? Right. Right. <laughs> and that, that did you did you find that quite inspiring? Yeah, totally. It, it was definitely like very cutthroat, like yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the movie. But like, yeah, I think it it's like it it was really like beautiful in a way. How like emotionless she made those decisions. I think, mm. and even though like emotion is like uh, a very helpful thing and like a very like um, human like part of all of us I think being able to um make like life decisions more logically I think is like something that can be really helpful and I think cyborgs definitely got that down <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I I think um like being an artist as well there's always this kind of sense of being a cyborg in that way as well between like uh, I was talking with a friend the other day and we were talking about that there was there were two types of intelligence this is just cod psychology but it's just what we thought of it's like there's deep and then there's smart you know and I think it's very easy for artists and sort of people that have the kind of questioning mind to kind of fall into the deep category but then it's also like 
and maybe we sort of view smart as being something just for business people or, you know, the, the kind mm-hmm. of savvy of the pragmatism and stuff. But being able to turn on that smart side as well is, is a real life advantage. I yeah, I, I think so too, definitely. Yeah. And do you, feel, do you feel like that's part of your character as well to, to sort of balance those two elements? I think so. Like, um, I think my approach to making music is... like definitely it looks less emotional than other people's I think um I'm not a very like emotive performer like on stage or playing live um and I think it's it's not something that I really need to pull from for inspiration I think I mean of course like emotions are, are at the center of all music but it doesn't it doesn't have to like um be be the only thing I guess and there's like there's more to like think about and more to uh pull from I guess but yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and and sometimes like emotions don't they don't have to be sort of like heart on sleeve for them to be there do they you know they could be just in the in the processes that you've kind of come up with for an idea right right and I think yeah every personality has like a different way of like showing their emotion um and yeah it just comes in like different forms for everyone yeah, and, and and with with the idea of cyborg as well, because like when I was growing up, you know, I watched a lot of like really when I was really young, you know, I sort of saw like the kind of Metropolis and like RoboCop as well, and I didn't yeah. think of anything deeper going on at that age. Mm-hmm. And then later on, uh, discovered Donna Haraway's the Cyborg Manifesto, wow. and and you know, it kind of really really opened my eyes to how the cyborg can also. Uh, represent feminism and notions of mm-hmm. femininity and notions of like the outsider forced into society. And I, I wondered if you had any reflections on that or that text. Yeah, I think that is like a really like beautiful kind of like connection and link that those two things share. Mm-hmm. And I think like with feminism being like very rooted in like community too, like being having each other's backs and like being supportive against like your oppressor like to those around you is like really special and I think yeah I think the the cyborg is like such a powerful resource to tap into because it's it's like um yeah it's just like very very inspirational and like uh, a very powerful and like yeah motivational thing I guess Mm. that makes sense <laughs> yeah no it does it totally does you know and, and do you feel like with that with tapping into that did you do you find a way of uh, a sort of form of with the music and using the cyborg theme to find a personal sense of liberation yourself yeah totally totally I feel like it's like kind of kind of like how watching movies it's like there's these like specific situations where um, it's not necessarily something that everyone can relate to in their everyday life, but there's still like a core emotion behind it that is more um, universal. And I think, yeah, it's definitely, it's, yeah, definitely very inspirational for the cyborg. <laughs> yeah, that's a really interesting way of putting it. Yeah, like I think most films, we, we sort of side with people that do things that we wouldn't do ourselves. Right, really. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But there's like uh, something there that like we we can pull from that like relates to us 
Definitely. Um, it goes into basic sort of decisions that we might have to make, but amplified into a, into a certain uh, and kind of way. And, and, and with that, the instrumentation as well, like, you know, obviously there's a very sort of obvious way that there's a cyborgness to the music in terms of, like you were saying, not having too much emotion on stage and the mm-hmm. kind of mi- mixture of electronics, but with, with the human elements, like the voice and, and, and the sort of, it's still electric, but more, you know, organically played instruments. Was it something that, did you sort of feel that that kind of meshing together was something that you always wanted to do? Or was that something that just kind of happened through what you have around you? Yeah, I think maybe a mixture of both. I I started definitely playing more like rock music, more just like traditional band setup with like a drummer, a bassist and guitarist and singer and stuff. But I've really always loved like um certain electronic artists like um I don't, like LCD sound system has always been a really mm. huge inspiration for me and so like all of their like synth sounds and tones and textures have been like something that I feel like is kind of part of my like uh mm, like cr- creative DNA in a way just because mm. they're just such a huge huge inspiration so I think going into this album I really just wanted to like not put as many limits on myself um, in terms of like a band setup and just really, yeah, go crazy really. And just like use any instruments that I want in virtual or hardware synths and um, yeah, just have more fun, I guess, with the whole process. That's really interesting. So you put very little limitations on yourself about what you could draw from, from in that yeah. sense. Yeah, that's good. And I guess having a theme to work towards kind of innate is like having an anchor that allows you to kind of be more free in other ways yeah definitely I think like I I I like to create like mood boards too and kind of like visual um visual aids kind of as I'm working so um something like yeah like like a prompt to like stay like stay on track but um yeah having more 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 freedom in like the tools that I'm using I guess yeah, I, I try to do uh, like uh, kind of sort of uh, vision boards and stuff like that. But by the time I've actually got all of the stuff together, I've kind of moved on in my ideas. It's terrible. <laughs> you have to be you have to be really quick, don't you? you know, get yeah, to, yeah. Get, get to the printing shop really quickly. True, <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. And like growing up as well, uh, could you tell me a little bit about, so you grew up in Michigan, I believe? Yeah, yeah, Michigan. Yeah. And, and what was, what was uh, family life like? Did you have a musical family? Honestly, my parents, they, they would claim that they're musical, but they don't, they don't play any instruments or anything, but they're, they're both just music lovers. Like I grew up, um, like with my parents playing a lot of music around the house. Um, my dad would play like talking heads and Led Zeppelin and my mom would play the cure or like Fiona Apple around the house. So, um, it was like always something that was like super encouraged and me and my sisters all kind of took up instruments when we were younger and were like encouraged to play together or sing together. So it, it was a, it was a really like supportive environment to like learn music, but it wasn't something that was just like put in my hands, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have any kind of like young band experiences as well? Did you, were you in like school bands? I was in a cover band in high school. Mm. Um, we did, we just did like 
covers of like indie rock music or the yeah yeah yeahs or something and that was really fun but it wasn't until like college that I started playing guitar in other people's bands for like music that they written and then um yeah that was kind of also like the first time I, I started songwriting and that was like the beginning of Miss Grit too during like the college period yeah and then the identity of Miss Grit as well like uh where, where does the name come from um Grit was like my childhood nickname, kind of um, mm-hmm. stemming from like Margaret. But um, ah, yeah, right. yeah, it was something that my my dad and then um, I had like a a neighbor down the street who would like call me that all the time. So it just kind of was like a name that kind of stuck with me. And yeah, I liked the like duality that it had as well. So it was like it had like a special meaning to me, but then also like um, yeah, it just had that you know, that grit, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and she felt like, it, would you say it was a sort of a, like, a, what's the word, like a, an alias that you can kind of become as well, or is it just a name for you? I think so. I think it's mm. kind of like an alias. Like, I do definitely find, like, power in, like, ch- kind of, like, channeling that different side of myself, I think. Um, there definitely are, like, blurred lines it's not like completely two different identities I think but yeah I think it's a it's a really like nice tool to like be able to tap into yeah and and, and I want to sort of talk about as well like your identity is a, a Korean American artist as well and uh in early EP you called imposter and mm-hmm. um I know it can be quite a sensitive thing to talk about and you know as a sort of white male I apologize if I if I get anything wrong um, oh no it's okay <laughs> but I, I wanted to kind of ask you about this kind of if the feelings of, of the imposter and where they come from and if it uh and if it relates to your uh Korean American identity because I know anything that's outside of the mainstream of just American American or you know where I come from English English can you know create a sense of feeling of otherness in people yeah totally and I think yeah, it's definitely something that's affected me different in like different parts of my life or like different stages. I think it, it has a lot to do with kind of the world, the worlds, or maybe like specifically the country that you're living in, like the dialogue at the moment of like people who look like you or share like similar identities as you. Um, I think like growing up, I was in like a predominantly white neighborhood. And so um my like world view on, on like how it what it was like to be like an Asian American was really strange just because I didn't have like people to like really look up to like outside of my immediate family and um yeah and like hearing how other people like would talk about like Asian people that would like get into my head too and kind of skew my vision in that way mm-hmm. um so yeah it, it can definitely be like weird growing up with that with that initial impression and then coming to New York City where it's like such a lively city and everyone's like super like progressive and um there's it's like a very diverse city so it can sometimes be like challenging because you're finally around like people who look like you and you, you have like so much in common but at the same time it, it it, it takes a lot of like um, inner work to work past the the 
perspective of like yourself that um was like taught to you as you were growing up so like it kind of like took a took a lot to like chip away at um um or maybe not chip away but maybe just like see yeah see my uh identity in a different way or uh, a way that made me feel more like uh fulfilled as a person i think so yeah that they they i mean again it's us they say that so much of our personalities comes from like a first seven years of existence or something like yeah. that, doesn't it? You know, so yeah. um I think we all, you know, different ways unpack things. Or maybe not. Some people don't. Some people right, just, right. don't feel like just not unpacking anything at all, you know. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe something should be taught more in schools. There should be more time given to uh uh helping people to kind of, I don't know, uh, understand. Oh. Yeah. They told they totally should. I, I'm like, I feel like they should have like a, a class like every that you take every year that's like a, like kind of like therapy in a way where where it's mm. just like you're learning about like the human way and like how our brains can sometimes work and just like recognizing patterns and like thinking and stuff. It's, it's like it's very helpful to like be exposed to that at a younger age, I feel like. Definitely, definitely. I, I, I definitely, yeah. I mean, I feel like I could have saved myself so many years. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me and, too. Even, and even like in the last few years, the access we have to things that can help, like I do that mind, my headspace mm-hmm. um, app. And um, if I'd known about meditation, well, I, I did know about meditation when I was 15, but I just presumed it was all kind of like whales and dolphins yeah. and, and pan pipes and, and stuff you know but if I if I realized it could actually sort of help me back then yeah. it'd be amazing to teach that at school something yeah and it it is kind of like learning like a new language and how kids are more able to like um they're they're able to learn languages way easier than adults are and mm. yeah it it there's so much in like the early learning phases that's like so crucial it, it would be like yeah amazing if I had like discovered therapy talk or like uh any any type of like psychology class when I was that young I think yeah yeah and and do you feel does the music help as a form of therapy for you do you think yeah I think so um I think for me at least I'm someone who I like I think I struggle like verbally I think sometimes or just like communicating emotions or feelings and so have like having music as such a nonverbal thing is really helpful for me and like a way to express myself and like um feel like various emotions I think so um yeah it's it's always been like a really really special like thing that I have definitely yeah and and so you was you were in New York by the time you started making uh music as Miss Grit? Um, yeah. Yeah. And what what was the kind of situation around it? Because you sort of mentioned about LCD sound system earlier mm-hmm. on. And so what 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 was the kind of vibe like and what kind of things were you doing? You know, like were there were there parties that kind of felt your thing and mm, yeah. Yeah, NYU was kind of strange because like the first year you have to live in their dorms, their dormitories, mm. 
And so I was living in Manhattan for the first two years of going there. And like not a lot of my friends, like all my friends lived on uh, in the dorms too. So I didn't really have a whole lot of friends that were like going out to Brooklyn or maybe like the cool music venues to like really like immerse themselves in the scene. And so, I it, yeah, it was kind of strange, but also I like kind of built my own little community at school and I was in the music tech program. And so it was really nice to meet people that way and uh, meet people with like shared interests and stuff. So um, yeah, I'll, a lot of the time I, when I was just making music, I was just in, in my dorm, like alone and um, yeah, just figuring out how to operate as like a new, new adult basically and mm-hmm. uh, learning the ins and outs of the city. But um, that was when I started Miss Grit. And then uh, after a year or two after was when I kind of moved out to Brooklyn and um, yeah, kind of got more um, experience, I guess, and going out to more venues and um, meeting like other musicians. And you know, it's really nice. Like New York, I know this, the music scene is like uh, kind of like dying in a way, or some people would, would say that. Um, compared to LA maybe, but I still feel like I've met like a really nice group of like musicians and like a community that, um, yeah, it, it it feels like it's still lively to me at least. That's cool. Why why do you think, uh, people are saying it's dying? Um, I guess because I don't know, it, it seems like every cool part of New York has kind of gotten overrun with like the business people that are like moving Mm. in and it's kind of, yeah, the, the rent is just like going up so high. So a lot of like artists or musicians who are, you know, just like struggling musicians or artists, they, they can't afford it. So it's like more and more people are moving out, I think. Um, Mm. And yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of New York has become like, inaccessible to me I feel like it's um yeah it's definitely changing but yeah I don't know (laughs) yeah I mean it's 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 that sort of gentrification process like I found it I mean it's it's happening here in Berlin as well Mm -hmm. at a much slower rate but um and you know it's happened in London as as well you know like I, I was having a conversation with a friend and who lives there the other day and she was telling me about the rent prices now and just in five years it was just whoa yeah oh my my gosh (laughs) yeah it's like it's crazy how how fast things can change and yeah and do you think I mean I'd I'd like to think that there's some kind of cycle to it and we end up yeah yeah I hope for that too I feel like maybe there's like other cities now that are going to be like the new place to go or something but uh yeah I think it there's always like regeneration and stuff so yeah but do you feel like do you feel like a bit of a New Yorker now do you feel like the idea of relocating would be a bit like oh no but I wouldn't be in New York yeah <laughs> I, I feel I feel pretty much like a New Yorker now I would never mm. claim to be like a native New Yorker but um I I've lived here for about like six or seven years now. And so I'm I'm feeling like pretty comfortable. I live in um Flushing right now, which is like somewhere where I really, really love. And I don't I, I can't even imagine like moving somewhere else, I feel like. So yeah, I feel like I'm I'm here for for a bit. So 
That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I'm the same with Berlin, despite the, yeah. the rising. <laughs> Berlin sounds so cool. I want to visit. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. I, I, yeah. I definitely think you, you know, I can definitely see your music going down really well here. Cool. And stuff like that and um and they got obviously here we've got the big like techno scene as well yeah, which is yeah. you know, sort of breeds into just people's attitudes and uh, we, you know with, with with the album as well like are you um with it with it coming out do you feel like it has do you feel like when you look back on it you know because there's always this kind of process when we make a piece of art or something where you're in it and then mm-hmm then it sort of goes through this process of like doing interviews like this, um, doing the artwork, you know, all of this kind of thing. And it, you sort of, it feels like you're kind of like, I felt like when I put my book out last year, like I'm sort of letting it go in a way. Um, mm. But I, I, I wanted to know where you are at with the album now with you. How do you reflect on it? Yeah, it's always such like a weird process. It's kind of like, I, I wrote this album... I wrote most of the songs like were written, yeah, like two years ago almost. So it's been a while and it's kind of always like an out-of-body experience to have to like re-enter that world to like do interviews or um get like the the visuals ready for it. So um I feel like right now I'm still I I, I had to like jump back into the like fall the cyborg mindset. And so now I feel like I'm I'm still in it, but I feel like once the album fully comes out, then I'll have some sort of relief um, just because it'll be it'll be interesting, like to to experience like people listening to those songs because it's just like something that I haven't even I can't even like imagine yet. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you still <clears throat> I mean, if you hear a track, you still going, oh, no, I maybe should have compressed that drum a little bit differently <laughs> I feel like on my previous two EPs, I had a lot of those feelings. And I feel like when I, when I was going into writing this album, I was like, I hate that feeling of like regret. And I really don't want to, to have like much to regret off this album. So I tried to like go in with that mindset and not, not second guess myself when I'm like, oh, I should retract that or, oh, mm-hmm. I don't like that's going to embarrass me later or something like um so i feel like there's there's not much i w- i would say that i would change off this album at all like I, I feel i feel pretty like content with it yeah that's brilliant that's brilliant you, you said about not second guessing yourself do you you know tell yeah. me a little bit more about that as well yeah i guess it's it's always something weird as like um uh someone who like writes music by by themselves and not like with a band or other people cuz there is such like a battle between like your inner selves I think and um yeah there's so many voices that are telling you to do various things and like whether oh if this vocal track is like good enough or if it's communicating the way that I want it to um there's just so many things to think about and you're so deep in the like record like you're saying like you're but you also there's also a point where you have to like step back and try to listen to it with like clean ears, I feel like. And Mm. yeah, it, it's a lot of like mind games that you kind of have to play with yourself because you're, yeah, kind of like walking yourself through the process a bit. So um, yeah, I guess, yeah, doubt is something that always (laughs) is sneaking in like wherever I go, but in a way I think doubt 
is good. I'm I'm not someone who is like fully into just like going with my gut feeling. I, I feel like sometimes your gut it isn't always right in a lot of situations. I mean, not a lot of situations, but sometimes. So I feel like taking the patience and reflecting and thinking things over can be helpful to a certain extent. So I try to always like keep a, a balance of like those, those kinds of approaches. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Cause you have to be like, you know, you're the songwriter, you know, uh, then also another stage, if you're making music on your own, you're the editor as well. You're the producer, yeah. you know, and although they, 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 they're all interlinked, you know, yeah. it should be harmonious. You know, there are, they are very definite different roles or they have elements of being, definite different roles and, and they do require a different kind of process for each one don't they yeah totally and then there's also like the all of your insecurities that are like battling all those different voices and being, yeah. it has, it has its own like agenda so yeah it's a, it's a lot to manage <laughs> definitely definitely it's always like catching catching it isn't it and I, I mean I, yeah. I love the album and I, I feel like you've definitely caught um mm-hmm. an atmosphere of of whatever whatever was happening at the time you know what whatever those months were like for you you know yeah. it's a really really great lesson yeah. cool I'm so glad <laughs> okay um Margaret thank you so much thank you for yeah, chatting thank with you. me it was really fun <laughs> Okay, so that was me, Paul Hamford, talking with Margaret Son, a.k.a. Miss Grit, last Friday. And it is now January the 24th, 2023. And we had that conversation for what you're listening to, Lost and Sound. And thank you so much, Margaret. And thank you so much, Zoe Miller, for helping with all of the reschedules and all of the chaos of January, bloody fucking January, all the kind of mental, not really head-working stuff that, you know, I hope I hope you're having a smooth move one, uh, you, all you people listening, and I hope things just get smoother and smoother. Um, I am going to go and have another coffee in a second because I really, really feel I need it. Um, thanks to ESO for doing the music that you hear at the beginning at the end of every episode. And Lost and Sound is presented and produced by me, Paul Hampford, and is sponsored by Audio Technica, makers of high-quality audio accessible to all headphones, turntables, cartridges, microphones. I edit this show using the ATH M50X monitor headphones. And the reason I love these and is that I can sit in a cafe. I don't do editing or much outside of cafes, to be honest. And I don't get distracted by stuff going on around me. And, and I just enjoy the audio within that. Um, check out audiotechnica.com for all of their range of stuff, wherever you are in the world. A little reminder, my book, Coming to Berlin, is out now on Velocity Press. I think that's it. Um, yeah, like I say, I'm going to go and have another coffee. Um, I'm going to, you know, I hope, you, I hope you're having a good one. I hope you're taking it easy where you can. I hope you're you're finding January smoother than I have been the last couple of weeks. But fuck it, it'll be all right. There's another month coming soon. Take care. Speak to you soon. <laughs>